Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. turn, if you will, please, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This is going to be part 2 of the message that we started preaching last week on one of the tests of fellowship, that we are in a right relationship, a right fellowship with God, is how we treat one another. Uh, I threw out on my Twitter feed yesterday... Uh, a little picture, and I have it automatically transfer over to Facebook, but I'm more on Twitter than I am on Facebook. But anyhow, I sent this picture out, and it says, How you treat one another after the church service is the greatest testimony that you could ever have. You know, so it is very important how we treat one another, right? Uh, after the church service. Uh, of course, it's kind of easy on Sunday morning to love everybody, right? I mean, such a great spirit in this place and such great worship atmosphere, and it's easy to love one another. And it, uh, but when you start living life outside the doors of the church, sometimes we get frustrated with each other and, and what have you. And next thing you know, we're in animosity or there's some tension there. And the next thing you know, people aren't talking to people. And the next thing you know, there's some, there's some resentment there. And then there's, there's politicking that always kind of starts taking place. You know, you've been there. We've all seen it, Right? Right? So what we got to do, we got to guard against that. And that's what John is telling us here in 1 John chapter 2, verse number, number 9 down through verse number 11. But what he's telling us is that if we're walking in the light of the Word of God, then we're going to love one another. That's one of the tests of fellowship. And we've been unpacking 1 John, and we've been going verse by verse through this great epistle, and, and uh, we've been gleaning what I call some golden nuggets to be able to stick in our pocket and help us go live life as a believer throughout the week. Um, and last week I spoke on loving one another, but I felt like there was a little bit more I wanted to say about that, and, um, and I don't even, and, and actually there's a whole lot more I want to say about that, but I just had to cut it off. You know, you know, my sermons are, are almost like baloney. You know, remember baloney back in the old days? Now, I grew up in a little, a little town, and there was a little country market on the corner, and I went there, and Chris, you probably relate with this, being from the south, went there, and there was a little uh, deli there, and a little meat market there, and they'd bring out a big old slab of baloney, and it was a big roll of thing, and they'd just cut the ends off of it, right? You know, and then just give you the middle. Well, that's kind of how my sermons are. They're good wherever you cut them down. So, so I just cut some stuff off and threw them away and just kind of give you this chunk of bologna today, right? Does anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? Okay. So, uh, but understand what I'm telling you is not bologna. It's the Word of God, okay? But it's just that, it's just that I just want you to get that picture, okay? I see now why you're laughing. 1 John chapter 2. Are you there in verse number 9? I want us to look at this text together. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 9. It says, the one who says. If you remember, there is a, um, there's three different times when John says there's one who says. He tells us in verse number 4, the one who says that I know him. Then he tells us again in verse number 6, the one who says that he remains in him. And then he says in verse 9, this is where we're picking up today. The one who says... That he is in the light 
but hates his brother is in the darkness until now. And the one who loves his brother remains in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, it's just been good to be hanging around victory all weekend long. Uh, Yesterday at the work day and the great fellowship we just had serving and working together and then uh, the bonfire and the hot dog roast and Uh, We just thank you for the great fellowship we've been able to have. We thank you for your presence that we feel here this morning with the worship band and the praise team and with everyone lifting their hearts in worship. And and Father, it's just been good to be together in the house of the Lord. But Lord, I believe if we leave without hearing from your word, that we we leave without, possibly we leave with a, a little bit of a void in our life. We need to hear from the word of God. And Lord, I pray today as we share on this passage of scripture that you would speak to all of our hearts father we need you we can't we can't love people without you if we are left to ourselves, actually sometimes i fear we have been left to ourselves as a nation and we see the craziness taking place the killings the beheadings the craziness that's taking place in our nation today possibly is because we have been left to ourselves, But if we're left to ourselves, God, we're going to be filled with hatred and murder, and envy and jealousy and malice, rage. But God, we need you. Even as believers, even as children of God, once we've accepted you as our Savior, we are still in need of you. God, the only way that we can love one another is when you love through us. And when we surrender our hearts and our minds and our lives to you. Father, I just pray that you help us to surrender our hearts and minds and lives to you every single day. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Father, that's what we must do. In order to be able to love one another, we must die daily. Help us to do that, God. Speak to our hearts. Help us to love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you remember, I've shared with you that John wrote three sections of the Bible. He wrote the Gospel of John. Do you remember why he wrote it? He wrote it that men may be what? Converted. Okay? That men may be born again. He wrote the Gospel of John for that reason. He wrote the Epistles of John that men may be confirmed. That they would have the assurance of their salvation. That they would know that they know that they know that they know that they are a child of God. The key text in in the epistles of John is 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 where John said, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life. So the epistles of John were written that men may be confirmed. And then John wrote another book. You may have heard of it. It's called the Revelation. Right? You've heard of that one? And he wrote that book that men may be comforted. And I don't know about you, but whenever we see all that's being un, un, unfurled, unfolded, taking place in our world today, if you go study the book of Revelation, you'll find tremendous comfort in even the midst of all the chaos that's going on today because at the end we know that, that we win. Those who are on the Lord's side, it's going to come out for, for good, right? So that should bring us some, some comfort even though we're going through these difficult times. First John is written that we may be confirmed. So there are a few tests that John is laying out in this passage of Scripture in 1 John for us as believers to look at in our life. And one is, are we obeying God? Are we obeying the commands of God? And we've unpacked that in the weeks past. But another test 
if we are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, if we are a Christ follower, if we are a true born-again believer in Jesus Christ, then we are going to have this love one for another. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what your social background is. It doesn't matter what your educational level may be. For our military members, it doesn't even matter what stripe you may have on your arm. We love people. Christians love people, right? Let's say that together. Christians love people. And that's one of the tests that we are a child of God is our love that we have for each other. Regardless of our race, regardless of how much money we have in the bank, regardless of what our careers may be, regardless of what our educational level may be. Are you listening to me today, church? We love one another. That's a test of the believer. Let's bring it in a little bit closer. We love the brethren. We love our brothers and sisters that we fellowship with in church. We love one another and we come together in a local assembly to show our love for the Lord, yes, but also to show our love one towards another. We are here to serve one another, right? Guys, you realize, and I saw this on a a church sign years ago. I mean, this was probably 25 years ago. I saw this on a church sign and it stuck with me and it said this. You only love God as much as you love one the least. Now let that sink in. You only love God as much as you love your brother or sister in Christ the least. Now think about that individual that you may have a hard time loving. Right? And sometimes we spin this thing around and we get ourselves so hyped up and we think we're so spiritual and we just think we're so close to God, but there's somebody in our life that we have a difficult time loving. Matter of fact, sometimes we may even pray a prayer of that's not very loving for them. Right? Come on now, don't look at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm. You understand what I'm saying, right? Okay? We're all in this thing together. I just try to be a realist when I preach. I try to be very transparent when I preach. I just want to dig down and and get rid of all the fluff and just kind of get down there in life where we live, right? Because the Bible is vibrant. It's alive. It's here for us today to be able to help us live this Christian life. So we all have people in our life that have possibly hurt us in some way or shown some type of malice towards us in some way or possibly tried to destroy us in some way. And and they may be still trying to do that today. But let me tell you something, folks. You must be able to get past that in order to move on with your life and be a healthy Christian. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. Okay? We're really going to talk about it. I'm going to unpack an Old Testament story for you here in just a minute. That's really going to bring all this together. And hopefully I can get off this subject and move on to something else in the weeks to come. But we've got to learn how to love one another regardless of what people may have done to us. We even have to love them. Are you with me today? Last week we, we unpacked six different thoughts about loving one another. I thought I'd review those, but I am not. Save us a little time. So let's just jump right into this. I believe that loving one another... The Bible says, if you will, the one who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness unto now. In verse 10, the one who loves his brother remains in the light. There's no cause for stumbling in him. The one who hates his brother is in the the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The point is this. 
When you choose to love people, you are choosing to walk in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you choose not to love people, then you are choosing to walk in hatred, which is in darkness, which is not walking in the light of Jesus, right? You can't walk in both of the lights, or or light and darkness, right? You get to choose. That's kind of my point that I want to make today. The Lord has commanded us to love one another, right? And God would never, ever command us to do something that we cannot will to do. Now let that sink in. He would never command us to do something that we cannot will or choose to do if we want to be obedient to the Lord, right? So he's told us that we need to love one another. Therefore, you and I, every single day, we get to choose whether we are going to love someone or whether we're going to... We may not use the word hate because we know that's not proper and that's not Christ-like. But we may choose to neglect someone. We may choose to ignore someone. We may choose to give someone a cold shoulder. We may choose not to engage with someone. We may choose to not do anything that will help that someone achieve success. Are you tracking with me? That's a little bit more spiritual when we do it that way, right? Wrong. It isn't. All of those are actions of an inward hatred that you have towards someone. Okay? So if that is going on in your life as a believer, if there is someone that you are angry with to the point where there's some rage towards them or some bitterness or hatred towards them, then I want you to know that at that moment, you're not walking in the light. You are walking in the darkness. And we must choose to get out of the darkness and choose to walk in the light. Are you tracking with me? I'm going to give you an, I'm going to give you an Old Testament example to wrap this thing up with here in just a moment. All right? So let me give you several reasons why we should choose to love. Reason number one, you need to jot this down. Reason number one why we should choose to love others is this. Number one, it will heal your emotions. It will heal your soul. It will heal your spirit. Now, guys, I'm telling you this because I've lived here. Okay? Even as a pastor, there have been moments when I have walked in darkness because of, of being hurt. And there's a resentment that rises up in all of us. And I believe those are just the carnal, natural reactions that we have. Right? But we must submit those to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We must forgive. We must choose to not walk in that, right? And there have been moments in my life when I have been filled with this hurt and been filled with this, I don't know if rage is the right word. Maybe it is the right word. (laughs) I've been filled with this rage, right? I've been filled with this bitterness and this hatred towards people, and all of a sudden I realize it's like I have this this dark cloud just over me. And it affects every single area of my life. Guys, are you tracking with me? At some point, we must choose to forgive. Some people say forgive and forget. I don't ever say that because I don't know that you can ever forget. Right? Maybe when we get to heaven and the Lord completely wipes away all of our tears and erases all of our memories of all the painful, hurtful things. But on the, in this life, I don't know that you ever forget. But we must choose to forgive 
and say, you know what? Because of what it's doing to me emotionally, I've got to remove myself from that and I've got to choose to forgive and love those individuals regardless if they receive the forgiveness or not, regardless if they choose to love me back or not, regardless if they choose to even, even like me or not. I have got to release that because it's going to heal my emotions. Let me give you a couple of verses of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12. The Bible says this. It says that hatred stirs up conflict or dissension. That's what hatred does. Man, when you're walking over here in darkness and, and you have this hatred towards someone, it's stirring up. I mean, it's just stirring up hatred and dissension and conflict in your life. I mean, it's just nasty, nasty, muddy water. We, uh, we used to have a, a trout stream that ran right by our house back in Bryson City, North Carolina when we lived there, when, when we were pastoring the church there in the mountains. And there was a trout stream that would just flow down through there. And when the kids were little, we'd go out there and we'd dam it up. And we had a big pond there. And, and uh, we, would, we would get in that pond. And we actually had ducks. And we'd sit in the pond with the ducks. It's kind of crazy, but we did it anyway. And we're sitting in the pond with the ducks. And it's just clear water. And that water is running down through there. It's running out of that mountain across those rocks. And it's crystal clear. And you could just put your mouth right there at those rocks and just drink that water all day long. Delicious water. Okay? But whenever I would sit in that pond and I'd start playing with the kids and I'd pick up this rock and I'd throw it over there and I'd pick up this rock and I'd throw it over there, what I was doing was stirring up the water. I mean, this water was so clear, you could see the trout swimming in the ponds. And you could see the bottom of the, of the trout stream. It was just crystal clear. But whenever I would get in there and stir it up a little bit, it would get so murky and so muddy that you couldn't see anything. That's a picture of how our lives are whenever we have this hatred, whenever we have this unforgiving spirit towards someone, whenever we have this rage or this malice or this bitterness over a situation or a person. It gets murky. It gets darkness. And that's what the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 12. It said that hatred, it stirs up conflict and it stirs up dissension. And sometimes you may be praying, God, I just want to get out of this. The only way you're going to get out of it is choose not to hate any longer. Because as long as you're in hatred, it's going to stir up this dissension. Can I get a witness? Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflicts and dissension. But get this, it continues. Same verse. But love covers over all offenses. Love covers over all wrongs. Guys, you may have been wronged. Someone may have intentionally set out to destroy you. But guys, if you don't let it go, your emotions are never going to be healed. Now I know, listen, I, one of my points last week, it's a whole lot easier to preach it than it is to practice it. That was one of my points last week. I know firsthand. It's a lot easier to preach it than it is to practice it. And you probably could say the same thing. But I know the way I feel today as a result of just letting that stuff go and choosing to walk in the light and loving the, them in spite of what people may have done to me. I'm going, I, man, I am so much happier today. And what I have found is healed my emotions. Are you with me, church? Proverbs 10, 12 is very true. Another passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 4, 8. 
Above all, maintain our intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sin. If we want our emotions to be healed, church, we must choose to love and choose not to hate and get out of that because it's murky and it's muddy and it's destroying. Love will heal you of unforgiveness. Love will heal you of your anger. Love will heal you of bitterness. Love will heal you of guilt. Love will heal you of regrets. And guys, whenever we hang out over there in the murky water, the darkness, the hatred that's stirring up dissension, and as long as we're hanging out over there, we're just going to be hanging out with this dark cloud over us and there's no healing for our soul while we're there. We must move out of that. We must choose to move out of that. We must choose to, to love, right? I know it's easier to preach than to practice. Believe me, I understand that. But I just want you to know that when we choose to love, it brings healing to us. And when we're over here, sometimes we think, as long as I can keep this hatred towards somebody, I'll be giving them what they deserve. Uh-uh, because here's what I've discovered. People move on. They're out there doing their thing, and they've probably completely forgotten about me, and they've completely forgotten about you. And you're sitting there basking in, basking in this and basking in this. Really, all you're doing is destroying yourself. That's all you're doing. Now, listen, I'm not saying we don't get hurt. I'm not saying that, 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 pe- that, that we don't get here. I'm not saying we choose to get here on our own. We got here because somehow someone has wronged us, and that's why we're here. But we must choose to get out of it. Are you with me? Are you with me, guys? So I just want you to see, and I want to hit this one and go, because I want to get to this Old Testament story. So why should we choose to love? Because it heals our emotions. Number two, get this one. Because not choosing love will produce in us evil. (laughs) If we hang out over here, you know what it's going to produce? Evil in us. We're going to be scheming ways that we can get back. We're going to be scheming ways that we can destroy that person. Or maybe if we don't destroy them, we at least want to hurt them as much as they've hurt us. And and maybe we want them to feel a little bit of what we're feeling. So we're scheming these ways that we can retaliate. We're scheming these ways that we can do something just to get back. What I'm trying to say is if you don't choose love, which, by the way, is indicated by being on that side of the platform, (laughs) okay, This is the dark side. It doesn't mean you guys are on the dark side. It just means this is the side I've chosen to preach in the dark. Okay? Over there is the light. Okay? That's the side of love. As long as I stay here on this side in the darkness and I'm dwelling on this and I'm focusing on this, then I am, believe it or not, I'm developing schemes and ways that I can retaliate and get evil. 1 John 9 says I need to choose to walk in the light. And if I say that I walk in the light, but I'm camping out in darkness, no, I'm not walking in the light. I am in the darkness. I am living in the flesh. I am not living in the spirit of of Christ. I am not walking in the newness of Christ. I am not walking Christ-like as long as I'm camped out over there. I have chosen to let the flesh take over, and the flesh now is dictating what I'm going to do now in my life to get back to this individual. So as long as I camp out here... As long as I choose not to love others, then by choosing not to love others, then what I'm doing, I'm allowing myself to produce evil in my life. 
I don't have a, a, a slide for this, but here's where I want to go just briefly this morning. And here's what I want you to jot down. I want you to write this down. Hatred can become a consuming obsession. Now get this. Hatred can become a consuming obsession. I mean, listen, and I know this by experience. You may know this by experience. I'm going to give you an Old Testament example of how they experienced it. But here's what I want you to see. If I am consumed in this hatred, it becomes an obsession to me. And it robs me of all joy in every area of my life. I mean, there could be wonderfully good things happening all around you, but you're completely blind to that because of this hatred and this obsession that you have of this hatred towards this individual. Are you tracking with me? Let me give you an example. And I may not get out of this example to give you the other three reasons why you should choose love today. So I'm not real sure where I'm going to end this sermon today. When I feel like the Lord tells me to stop it, I'm going to stop it, okay? But I may not get back out of this story. I may camp out here a little bit, and I may not get to the other three reasons why we need to choose love. If I do not get there, you email me. I will email you my sermon points, and I will give you the other three points, okay? Is that an agreement? We good? All right, I want you to turn back in your Bible to an Old Testament book called Esther. It's right before the book of of Proverbs. So kind of hold your Bible together, unless you have an electronic Bible, or unless you're following with Proclaim, then Esther is going to be a a cue that's going to pop up, and you push it, it's automatically going to take you there. But if you hold your, the way I used to do back in the old days, hold your Bible together, and right in the center is Psalms, and kind of break it open right there, and flip back a couple books, and you'll be right there at Esther. Esther chapter 5. Actually, no, 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 Esther chapter 3. I'm going to chapter 5. Hey, I did make a slide for that. Thank you, Byron. I forgot I did that. Hatred can become this consuming obsession. And here's the story I want you to get. Now, there are three characters in the story. There's actually several more characters in the story, but three that I want to kind of familiarize yourself with. There are three stories. We know there's a king, but I don't want you to focus too much on the king right now. The three characters that I want you to focus on is one queen by the name of Queen Esther. Okay? She was a Jewish gal. And there's a reason why I said that. Because there was another guy who hated Jews, and that's Haman. He hated those people. Particularly one Jew he hated named Mordecai. So those are the three individuals in this story that I'm going to share with you. There's Queen, there's the, uh, queen Esther. Which, by the way, she took the place of Queen Vashti because Vashti wouldn't come in and offer services to the king. So he put her aside and he brought in another one. And she won the lottery, so to speak, and she was brought in. She's the queen. Okay? She did not reveal her, her background. He had no idea that she was a Jew, but she's this beautiful lady. She now becomes the queen. There's this guy named Haman. Now, I want you to know, in Haman chapter number, chapter number 3, Haman's promoted to the second man in all of the kingdom. I mean, the king just gives him a promotion. There's some wonderful things that just happened to Haman, okay? But Haman is the character that is so filled with anger and malice and jealousy and hatred towards one individual that we're going to discover that it literally destroys his life. 
the hatred that he has for one man destroys him. That's, in essence, he destroyed himself. Are you with me, church? By the way, I'm not going to have time to unpack this whole story. But if you want some good reading, just go read this book. You can probably read the entire thing in 20 minutes. It won't take you that long. The whole book of Esther. You may be able to do it in 15 minutes. It's a quick read. It's a good read. And boy, there's some great principles there. But I want you to look in chapter 3, verse 1. Here's a guy that was just blessed with some good things. In verse or chapter 3, verse 1, it says, After all of this, the king honored Haman. I want you to focus on Haman. That's the name I want you to think about. Haman. The king honored him. It says that he promoted him in rank and he gave him a higher position than all the other officials. The entire royal staff at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman because the king had commanded this to be done for him. Okay? Now stop right there. Don't read any further. Stop. Please don't read any further. You're going to steal my thunder. Okay? Haman now has just had this wonderful thing happen to him. The king had promoted him to the second highest man in all of the land. As a matter of fact, king, the king said, Haman... When you're walking around, I've commanded everybody to pay homage to you. They're going to bow before you. They're going to pay homage to you. They're going to worship you, so to speak. You are, Haman, you are the man. Everybody say the man. Who was the man? Tell me. Haman. Haman was the man. Okay? God, not God, the king promoted him to the second in command of the entire kingdom. Are you with me? However... Let's continue reading. Verse number 2, it says everybody's been commanded to pay homage to him. Verse number 3, the members of the royal king or royal staff at the king gate asked Mordecai, Why are you disobeying the king's command? When they had warned him day after day, he still would not listen to them. And then they told Haman to see if Mordecai's actions would be tolerated since he had told them that he was a Jew. Now, I don't have time to unpack this whole story. I hope I've piqued your interest enough to drive you to the Word of God that you'll go home and read this story for yourself. But here's what's taking place. Haman's second in command. Wonderful thing been given. His rank has been all the way up to second in command. Everybody's supposed to bow and pay homage to him. One guy, however, who's sitting right outside the king's gate named Mordecai, which Mordecai, by the way, by the way, let me go back and review. Who's the queen? It's the name of the book. Esther, right? Mordecai and Esther are cousins. As a matter of fact, Mordecai is the legal guardian over Esther even before she was a queen. Okay? When they were taken into captivity, he's the one that's to look over her. Matter of fact, he helped get her prepared. Whenever the, the king was looking over to see who would be the queen, he was checking up on Esther every single day. I mean, they're cousins, they're family members, but also he's a legal guardian over Esther the queen. Mordecai now would not bow and pay, pay homage to Haman. Guess what? That ticked Haman off. Right? I mean, are you kidding me, Haman? You're second in command. You're going to let this one guy, this hatred that you have for this one God destroy you? And we'll see later that it does. As a matter of fact, 
Haman gets so upset, and you can finish reading the story. I'm just going to tell you briefly what the story is about. Haman gets so upset that, that Mordecai is not bowing down to him, he goes home and tells his wife about it. He says, honey, let me tell you something. I'm second command. The king has elevated me to this position. Everybody's commanded to bow before me. But there's this one guy named Mordecai. He is not bowing down before me. Everybody else is. But this one guy, this hatred that he had for this one guy it is, is destroying all of his happiness. And his, his friends, he tells them about it. And the friends and the family says, what you ought to do is build a 75-foot gallow. And you ought to go to the king and have this guy killed. So he's kind of got that in the back of his mind now. I'm going to have this guy killed, right? So anyhow, the queen now goes before the king, which, by the way, in that day, if you went before the king without him summoning you before his presence, you could be killed and destroyed unless he stuck out his golden scepter to you. And then that's in a way that he received you. You can see all that in the story. Mordecai tells her, listen, you've got to go to the king because this man Haman he's put out a decree it is now official the financing's there there's a line out of budget to have all of the Jews destroyed he's going to kill us all and if he has all of the Jews destroyed that doesn't mean that I am going to die it also means that you are going to die you must get before the king and reveal to him what has taken place and my, the favorite passage and my favorite passage probably yours as well if you know the story is that Mordecai tells Queen Esther that God God has brought you here for, finish it for me, such a time as this. Woo! That's good stuff, right? That gives me goosebumps whenever I think about that. God had a plan for her, and he's got a plan for you, and I won't get off on that message. Haman, though, is filled with this anger, so the queen prepares a banquet, and she invites particular guests to the banquet. I am not going to get to the other three points of my sermon already. I'm going to tell you that right now, Okay. I'm going to finish this story and we're going to bring it to a close. She prepares this banquet. Okay? And she invites hand-picked guests to the banquet. The king, of course, is coming. And then she sends an invitation to Haman. Well, Haman is so full of himself and he's so full of what's going on in his life and he has such hatred towards this other guy. He's all excited. He runs home, even tells his wife. He said, listen... They're preparing a banquet. And I alone am one of the distinguished guests that's going to sit at the table with the king. So that day comes. He goes to sit at the table with the king. And well, guess who else is at the table? Mordecai's at the table, right? So Haman goes in, and, the, and, and now you've got to understand a little bit of the background of the story. The queen has already told the king of what has taken place, how someone has manipulated him to have all these Jews destroyed, and, and, and he's really upset with that. And, and so Haman thinks he's coming to the banquet to be honored because the Lord's put him in this position. In reality, he's coming to be, to be judged, so to speak. And, and so the queen's telling this story to the king, and, and, and the king looks at Haman, and, and, and she reminds the king, though, of something that Mordecai had done for him Prior to Haman being elevated, you'll find the latter part of chapter number 2, there's only two or three verses that even unpack this, but there were, there were a couple of guys that wanted to destroy the king, and Haman, or Mordecai let the king know, and so and they found those two guys, and, and they captured them and took them away. In essence, he saved the king. So the king's now at the table. Ha- Haman has come to the table, and the king looks to Haman, and he says, Haman, he said, what would you do for a guy that has 
saved you, for a guy that has served you, for a guy that has done all these wonderful things to you. Well, guess what? More Haman is filling up with pride because he thinks the king is talking about him. Right? He says, you know what I'd do with that guy, king? He said, I would, I would lavish him with royalty. I would put on him garments that you have worn. I would dress him up in a way that everybody knew that this was an honor from the king. I would even put him on your favorite stallion and, and I would dress them all up and I would parade him in front of the people and I would let everybody pay homage to him. king says, so let it be done. And Haman thought, this is it! This is it! Do that to Mordecai. Can you imagine the devastation that came over Haman? Haman had just built a 75-foot gallow to have Mordecai destroyed and killed because he would not pay homage. Now he is the one that has to go out to Mordecai, dress him up, put him on the king's horse, parade him through the city, let everybody worship and pay praises to Mordecai. And then the king is given notice of all that Haman has done of manipulating him to have all the Jews destroyed. And in essence, you know what happens? Haman is beheaded and killed and destroyed on the same gallows that he had built for Mordecai. I kind of went all, all over the place on that story. And there's a lot more gaps that need to be filled in on all of that. I hope you go and read it. But here's the point I want you to get. Give me the next slide. Number one, hatred can become this consuming obsession that you have with someone. And hatred only hurts the one carrying the grudge. At the end of the day, it was Haman who was destroyed, not Mordecai. Haman had the entire kingdom singing his praises at one time, second in command of everything in the kingdom, except this one man that would not bow to him. And this one man, the hatred he had towards him, wound up destroying Haman, destroying himself because of this hatred towards this one guy. Now, guys, here's, here's where the application comes in, and here's what I want you to see. Every single week, all of us are invited to the king's table to feast. Right? I'm talking about coming to church to worship. Every single one of us are invited every single week to come to the king's table to dine with Jesus, to worship him. And we come to church and we sit at the king's table and we cannot worship And our joy is removed from us because of hatred in our hearts towards some person. Now here's here's where the rubber has to meet the road. What you and I both must do, and I'm going to be done with this. By the way, band, why don't you come? I just want you to know I'm done. There's something we got to do with this. Because many of us find ourselves just like Haman. We're at the king's table. table. We've experienced all the wonderful blessings that the king can give us. And by the way, Haman had all the physical blessings that any king could give him other than being the king. He's the second in command. And we come to the king's table by way of application every single Sunday to dine with Jesus, 
and we look around and we see how the Lord has blessed us in so many different areas in our life, but we come to church and we can't worship. We come to church and we've lost our joy. We come to church and we don't have happiness because we are allowing one situation or one, possibly one person to rob us of all of that. Guys, I know this is what you must do because this is what I've had to do in the past when I've been faced with situations such as this. Number one, we must confess those to the Lord. We must give those to Jesus, right? You can't carry that. As long as you dwell in the hatred, you're going to stir up conflict. You're going to stir up dissension. You're going to scheme ways of getting even. There's going to be evil devices that are going to come out of you. I do not want to be that person. And I don't want to give the person that has harmed me that much control over my life. I will not allow that. I am going to get up. I am going to get out of the darkness. I am going to confess my sins to the Lord. I'm going to choose to not hate. I'm going to choose to love. I'm going to walk over here, guys, and I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release it. And guys, I know this may be heavy for some. But I want you to know we all are here from time to time. We're here. As Christians, as believers, we're here. And we got to get up. we got to say, with the help of the Lord, I am walking out of that situation. And I'm coming over here. That God forgive me for the evil thoughts that I've had towards that person. Forgive me for the hatred I've had in my heart towards that person. God, help me today to release that. Help me today to love them. Help me today to have joy. Give me my joy back. Give me my happiness back. Because I lost it while I was here. I lost it. And you'll lose it too. And we got to get out of that. If we stay there, if I stay here, And if you stay here, I'm just like Haman. I'm going to wind up destroying myself. I'm going to be the one to get destroyed. Right? Are you with me, church? Are you hearing me? I get to feast at the king's table every single day, and so do you. But sometimes we'll let one situation or we'll let one person or we'll let a group of people keep us in bondage over here. We just got to confess it. We got to walk away from it. I put it in my notes. You got to confess it. You got to release it. You got to choose love. You got to confess it. You got to release it. You got to choose love. Say it with me. You got to confess it. You got to release it. You must choose love. Say it again. You got to confess it. You got to release it. And you must choose love. And I promise you, it's not easy getting up out of this. It's not easy getting up out of this. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something else. You can't get out of it by yourself. You need the Lord. You need Him. With His help, you can get out of it. With help of other people around you. Listen, I've touched base with some brothers in my life and I said, guys, I need you to pray with me. I'm in one of the darkest places I have ever been in my life. And the only way I can get out of it is to pray for me. Sometimes they would tell, I'm praying for you. No, I said, I'm serious. 
got to pray for me because I don't like where I am. I've got to get out of it. I can tell you today, with the help of the Lord, I'm out of it. I'm over here. Man, I've got my joy back. I've got my happiness back. I've got my freedom to worship back. You can get here too. But it's going to take a battle. You're going to have to face right here with the devil. And you're going to have to call on King Jesus. And you're going to have to ask him to help you get out of this. Or you're going to wind up like Haman. And it's going to destroy you. I wonder if every head is bowed and every eye is closed. We have all come to places like this in our life. And I don't know every story behind every face that is here this morning. But I do know this. Every week we live something called life. L-I-F-E. Life. And I know that from time to time while we are living life, that there are situations, there are circumstances, there are individuals who for whatever reason, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, hurt us. And if we're not real careful, we'll allow that hurt to turn to anger, that anger turn to rage, that rage turn to malice, that malice turn to evil schemes of how we can destroy that individual that's put us here. And at the end of the day, you're destroying yourself. Destroying yourself. You got to say, King Jesus, I need you. I need your help. I need you to help me get out of this situation. I do not like the person that I have become. I've lost my joy. I've lost my happiness. And I want to get that back starting today. And today, Lord, I confess that I've had some thoughts that I should not be thinking possibly even some actions that I should not have done. Lord, right now, I just pray you forgive me of that. Lord, I I pray that you restore to me the joy of my salvation. I pray that you help me lift my eyes off this situation and help me to see all the goodness that you have done for me, all the good things that you have done for me, all the wonderful things and the people, the circumstances, all that you have placed around my life. God, I need your strength to get up out of this mud hole that I've been wallowing in called hatred. And today I'm going to choose to love. I am going to confess it. I am going to release it. And I am going to let it go. And I'm going to choose to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Father, I don't know what's going on in everyone's life here today. But Lord, you do. But I do know this. I do know that in life we get hurt. And if we don't handle that hurt correctly, it will destroy us. Help us, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to hearts of individuals that are here. And if there are those that need to do business with you today, I pray that they would open up their heart's door to you. That they would turn to you. 
that they would confess their sins to you, that they would seek and ask for your help in this situation, that, God, that you would light their path in the direction that they are to go, that you would give them and guide them in the way that you would have them to go. Father, we all get here from time to time. First John is teaching us a test of the believer is that we love others. Help us to walk in that love today. We can only do it with your help. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.